I've been learning a lot about hope and optimism, as well as hopelessness, helplessness, and pessimism from the father of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, from reading his books. I would like to share some of my takeaways with you over the next few episodes. There is so much, way too much to include in one episode. So I've decided to make a series out of the information so we can take it a little bit at a time. I hope you find it as useful as I have in understanding myself better. I've already been able to apply it with the amazing people who are coming to me for coaching or just as advice for those that are closest to me. I sure do love learning and I especially love learning new things that connect to other things I've learned in the past and makes what I've been applying to improve my own life feel even more true. So here is part one of the series I'm going to call Working Through Depression by Learning Optimism. I believe we're unique for a reason. When we use our gifts, we all benefit. When we compare ourselves with others, we feel overburdened. That's why I created this podcast, a weekly show about connecting to your time, your life, and yourself. My hope is that you'll leave not only believing in the dreams you feel pulled towards, but knowing you've had the ability within you to do them all along. Let's connect to our uniqueness and become overburdened no more. From studies done that were looking at self-esteem as vaccine against all the social problems that we're facing, there have been some really interesting findings. Well, I find them very interesting. See if you agree. Now, while self-esteem is important, it was actually found that it was not the most important factor. Because depression is a disorder of the eye, in other words, how we view ourselves as failing in relation to the goals and dreams that you have for yourself. Because of this, when we feel we are the center of the universe, when we fail, which is bound to happen, that failure feels bigger and less forgivable than when we are part of something bigger. So if building self-esteem is not the answer to curing depression, what else can we do? There have been more studies done to look at this question. Now, without going into tons of detail about the studies, how they were conducted, and the results that, they'll, that they found, I'll just share with you what Dr. Martin Seligman, who was thought of as the one who began the positive psychology movement, and many of his colleagues, what they learned about doing these studies. They found that it was the change from pessimism to optimism that is at least partly responsible for the prevention of depression and its symptoms. Now, when I started learning about this, I was really sucked in. This rang so true in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. I wanted to dive in and learn all that I could. This new movement was called Learned Optimism. We can learn to do this. Those of us who suffer with depression, anxiety, or any range of this type of thinking, we can learn to be more optimistic. We are not stuck where we are. Now, depression is more than mental suffering. It's also about less productivity and worsened physical health. 
We need skills that translate into action. That is what I hope to do as I teach workshops with groups and work one-on-one with individuals. I have seen that applying these skills in my own life has really taught me to be more optimistic. I am changing my style of explaining life from pessimistic to optimistic, and I want to share what I've learned with you. So let's start by defining optimism, pessimism, explanatory style, and learned helplessness today. And I'll go into further detail about each one of them in other episodes of the series, but we need a place to start so we're on common ground so that as we build on what we learn, we can understand each other. You with me? Okay, let's do it. Let's start with the biggest elephant in the room, optimism. Optimists tend to believe that defeats are temporary and are only relative to one situation. They don't view defeat as being their fault. They see that a circumstance, maybe bad luck, or someone else brought about the defeat. They see it as a challenge to try harder, but not as pointing the finger at someone else and saying it was their fault. Optimism can protect you against depression. It can raise your level of achievement. It can enhance your physical well-being. The central skill of optimism is changing the destructive things you say to yourself when you experience the setbacks that all of us have. Being an optimist is not about being more selfish and self-assertive or to present yourself to others in overbearing ways, but to simply learn a new set of skills that help you to talk to yourself from a more encouraging viewpoint when you encounter personal failures. Optimists tend to do better in school, work, and on the playing field. Their health is unusually good. They age well, and some evidence suggests that they may even live longer. To me, the greatest example of this was my grandpa. From my vantage point, he was an optimist. He always had a smile on his face and a little chuckle behind his words. He lived anything but an easy life. He graduated from high school in 1929, and if you know anything about history, that date will ring a bell as the crash of the Great Depression. He was raised by his father and stepmother because his own mom died when he was about eight years old. He was taught to work hard. And when I was little, I'd go and stay with them for a week every summer and help on the farm. He whistled everywhere he went. I'd hold his hand as we walked down the road to go feed the pigs. I just loved being with him. He made me feel happy from the inside out. He was someone who never had money, but didn't let that hold him back. He was just someone who gave what he had and didn't worry too much about it. To me, he was the healthiest, strongest person I knew. He lived to 92 and was rarely sick. He was an optimist in every way. All right, let's go to the opposite of optimism, and that's pessimism. Pessimists tend to believe Bad events will last a long time, will undermine everything they do, and most importantly, that they're their own fault. 
depression is the ultimate expression of pessimism. People with pessimistic habits of thinking can turn setbacks into disasters. Pessimists give up more easily and get depressed more often. Now, pessimism has a role, too. It helps us to accurately look at reality. This can make us wiser. It heightens our sense of reality, and it endows us with accuracy. Now, here's one of the coolest things I've learned about pessimism. It is escapable. Pessimism can be reversed. Pessimists can learn to be optimists by learning a new set of thinking skills. Now, my biggest takeaway in all of this I've learned about pessimism and leads me to hope is that our habit of thinking does not have to stay with us forever. Dr. Seligman said one of the most significant findings in psychology in the last 20 years is that individuals can choose the way they think. I feel like I need to put a disclaimer in here. Sometimes overcoming depression isn't as simple as changing the way you think. As someone who has been to the depths of depression and back, I know that medication is needed in some cases. Only you and your doctor can decide what is needed for you. After I received medical help and got my chemicals back in order and working correctly, I found that I was still in need of some more help. That's where learning about how you think comes in. There is more help needed to help you move out of depression. And this was the way I felt that I was finally able to get where I wanted to be back in my life. I'm urging you to open your mind, try something different, and see if it's what you're missing too. I'm here to hold your hand, teach and support you, until you feel strong enough to go it on your own. Maybe you'd like to work with me one-on-one. I'm here for you for whatever you need. Just schedule a free call with me and we'll figure out all of that out at hunkydory.com forward slash mini mentor. Maybe listening to these podcasts will give you exactly what you need. And that makes me so happy. I hope that they do. Maybe taking one of my workshops or my main course will be what you need. Whatever you need, I'm here to help however I can. All right, after that short little introduction of the things that I offer, let's get back into our building the foundation so that we can start learning some skills. All right, so we've talked about optimism and pessimism. Let's talk about explanatory style next. It is the manner in which you habitually explain to yourself why events happen. So there's different styles. It's the way we explain what happens in our lives. It's how we explain to ourselves why we get or don't get reinforcement for the things we do. It's the way people explain to themselves the causes of bad events. An optimistic explanatory style stops helplessness, whereas a pessimistic explanatory style spreads helplessness. Your way of explaining events to yourself determines how helpless you can become or how energized when you experience everyday setbacks as well as big defeats. That one is really interesting and I can't wait to dive into that one with you that you can actually be energized or depressed because of the way you explain things to yourself. 
All right, here's the last definition for today. Learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is the giving up reaction, the quitting response that follows from the belief that whatever you do doesn't matter. Your explanatory style is what moves you towards or away from depression. Depression and helplessness, they're the same thing. They have the same brain chemical connection. Helplessness can be learned and therefore it can be unlearned. Isn't that the best news? Have you been taught either by yourself or others to be helpless? That nothing you do changes what happens? Or did you learn to look for more optimistic reasons for what happens? Now, I know that's a lot of information. It will be good to use this information so you can understand everything else I want to share on this topic better. Here's what I suggest. Spend some time this week looking at your thoughts. Looking at your thoughts is called metacognition. Did you know you could do your own experiment with metacognition? You big scientist, you. Look for the following this week. What is your explanatory style? Do you lean toward optimism or pessimism? And have you learned helplessness? Now, you may need to go back and listen to the podcast for those definitions again. But here's a challenge for you. Do it without judging yourself. When you're asking yourself those questions, they're just questions to learn about you. Don't judge whether you are what you are is good or bad. It's just what is. We'll take that information and we'll use it next time to learn more. Remember, be compassionate with yourself as you look at what you've been doing. We're just getting information. Take that information and look at them as interesting pieces of who you are and lovingly accept them as what they are not good or bad, right or wrong, just using the information to learn and to understand yourself for who you are. Then bring that information back with you for the next episode in this series, and we'll use that information to learn more and what you can do next. I hope you're excited about it because I am. So thank you for joining me here today. And remember, I see you. I understand how hard you're trying, and I'd like to help however I can. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you back here again next week. I'm so glad you showed up for you today. Remember, the connections you make with yourself are powerful, and that will spread to the people you love the most. Sending lots of love to you as always. Make it a great day, and I'll talk with you again next week.